Late last week, Finance Minister Carol James said that B.C. saw 132,000 job losses in the month of March and unemployment was up to 7.2%. Joining me now to talk about this is senior economist and public interest researcher Iglika Ivanova. She's with the uh, Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Iglika, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here today. Thanks for having me. So just on a general analysis of those job figures that have been presented, I mean, uh, was there anything in there that came as a surprise to you? I, I, you know, when I was expecting some pretty drastic numbers, and, and really we ended up getting those. Well, I think it's important to remember, first of all, that these are drastic numbers. When we look at the number of people who have lost their jobs in a single month in D.C., this is by far the largest job loss. Um, that we've seen since the late 70s when the labor force survey was introduced. So it is uh, enormous by historical standards, even though it's not as large as some of the numbers we're seeing um, of people who are applying for the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit, um, which are four or five million Canadians. So, you know, obviously the number is not as big, but I think it's really important to remember that what the labor force survey data shows is only the very beginning of the disruptions in the BC workforce because the survey was actually done about the week of March 15th to March 21st. So that's almost immediately after the pandemic was declared. In the very early days, we didn't have all the orders to close businesses. We didn't have all the social distancing measures that we have in place today. So a number of people who um, reported still having a job in that week in March have probably lost their job by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and uh, Minister, Finance Minister Carol James kind of said as much in, in her speech there uh, on uh, on Thursday, talking about, you know, that this is kind of almost just the tip of the iceberg, and we can expect to see quite a bit more, as uh, I assume a similar practice will be done towards the end of this month here in April. Uh, I guess, what, what are you doing with this information right now? Like, what, what exactly are you reading into these numbers as it stands right now and as we prepare for, for bigger job losses down the road? What, what exactly are you doing uh, at the CCPA with this data right now? Yeah, we have um, uh, dug into some of the uh, statistics on who is bearing the brunt of the labor market impact in in BC and Canada and looking in more detail of who are the people who were first to lose their jobs just to get an idea um, of what is happening in the labor market and to be able to assess how effectively the provincial and federal income supports that have been introduced would help these people. So we're seeing, um, one of the interesting things that we're seeing in the data already is that um, we have some record-setting job loss numbers, monthly job loss numbers, but we also have a very large number of British Columbians uh, and Canadians who have the majority of their hours cut. So they're still employed, but they lost a lot of hours. And so in in BC, for example, if you look at what percentage of all jobs were cut in March, that's only 5% or 1 in 20 jobs was lost. It's a huge number, actually, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. 1 in 20 jobs was lost. But 16% of the people who were working um, in February in BC had either lost their job or had their hours cut by more than 50%. 
in March, uh, in, in the week of the survey. So we're seeing some very staggering numbers of people who are employed but working few hours. And right now that is a big concern because, uh, as you and your listeners probably know, the way that the federal CERB benefit is designed, you have to have no income to be eligible. If you have lost most of your hours and most of your income, but not all, you will not be getting income support through that program. And that's a huge gap because as we're seeing uh, a lot of people losing hours but not losing um, all of their income necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important, really important to point out, right? When we're talking about these record job losses, uh, obviously, one, like you said, one in 20, a crazy high number of, of people who are finding themselves unemployed. But when you say 16%, uh, you know, are either unemployed now or uh, have had their hours cut back. So three in 20 people are a little above that is either lost their job entirely or has lost an, a number of hours. And that's not necessarily uh, always uh, laid out in the data that's presented by the province, right? They kind of want to, I don't want to say they want to skew things to look a little more positive, but uh, it definitely trends that way a, a little bit. Uh, so, so how concerned should we be about this, you know, just from an economic standpoint? When you're going through these numbers and you're seeing people who are not losing their job but having hours cut back significantly and are not going to be able to qualify for some of these benefits, I mean, I, I've heard from a lot of people myself that they, they would almost rather get laid off than have their hours cut back, and I'm sure that's a story that you have heard as well. So um, I'm just sort of wondering where, where to take this from here. I mean, what can the province do? What are you doing to, um, you know, try to promote some, some changes in policy to make sure that people are able to get through this tough time when, when maybe they haven't lost their job so they don't uh, qualify or, or look as um, impoverished as uh, someone else who may have been laid off, but they're clearly dealing with a, a difficult situation of their own? I think that's, that's exactly the right question. We're all looking at the numbers to try to identify gaps in coverage of the federal and provincial programs that have been announced. Uh, the good news that uh, I think people should be encouraged by is that the federal government and the Prime Minister, uh, Justin Trudeau specifically, have, have said that they are aware of some of the gaps. Uh, with the program and they are looking to see how they might be able to extend eligibility or, or make some changes so people who have not lost all of their income but have lost significant chunk of their income or had their hours cut a lot um, will be able to get some support and I hope that we will see some announcements on that front coming soon because the data that uh, we got from Statistics Canada shows that there are a lot of people in that group, there are a lot of people who have not completely lost their jobs yet, but have had uh, significant reductions in hours, and, and then that suggests uh, reductions in income as well. Another way in which we're using the data, and, uh, and I think policymakers across the country are doing the same thing, or I hope they are, is looking at uh, exactly who the workers are. So we're seeing a lot of women, for example, are, are losing their jobs or um, still employed but losing a lot of hours and I think this this will become even more pressing issues when the April statistics come out because the closures of child care centers and schools will disproportionately fall on um, the shoulders of women to provide the, the child care mm-hmm. uh, at home and they won't be able to come back to work even if they did have a job they might not be able to work their usual hours so that has significant implications um, for their income and as we know, you know, in Canada, um, 
entitlement for even for pensions for the CPP is based on your lifetime's worth of earnings. So if you are earning less and you're working fewer hours, that means you will get a lower pension, you know, when you retire. Mm -hmm. So these things have long-lasting consequences, and um, and that's why it's important to provide appropriate income support for people. Um, yeah, another interesting uh, finding in the data that Statistics Canada remarked on in their own release was that a lot of the jobs that have been lost are the jobs that were precarious and underpaid to begin with. So we're seeing some people in temporary, casual, part-time jobs who didn't work very many hours and who generally had lower wages are the first ones to lose their jobs. So um, this is very important um, in terms of designing benefits in Canada or income supports for the, the, the current pandemic because uh, a lot of these people have very little savings to begin with. They were already living paycheck to paycheck, so it'll be really crucial to see um, the provincial and federal government step in, stepping in with income support. So it just shows that um, the massive you know, new public programs that are being designed to support workers who've lost their jobs are needed, they are important, they might have to be increased depending on how long the crisis lasts. Um, it shows that, you know, for example, probably more people will need uh, assistance to pay the rent than um, currently might be eligible for the temporary renter supplement in BC. So we'll see how these policies evolve and whether the provincial government um, makes some of their um, programs more generous for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of have to play it all out and, and, and watch as it kind of changes over time. And I mean, everyone's kind of reacting to everything as it, as it comes about. So uh, it's hard to say what things will look like, uh, you know, even, even a couple of days from now, let alone a month from now. And like we said, you expect the job numbers to continue to get worse as we go through April. Um, you, you did say you used some of this data to kind of look at what sectors were being um, either hit hardest or on the opposite scale, you know, which ones are kind of able to to uh, sustain or, or, or power through this crisis better than others. And I was just wondering if maybe we could uh, end on a bit of a positive note here. Um, and if you can't answer this, that's totally fine as well. But ha what, what sectors are you seeing as ones that seem a little bit more immune right now when it comes to those job losses? They're not, uh, you know, they're not seeing those same numbers that we would see in things like, you know, retail and, and uh, you know, child care workers not being able to provide child care when everyone's at home. You know, what, what sectors are you looking at that are having the opposite effect and are able to really sustain and power through this whole pandemic? Uh, well, the sectors that are doing um, better in Canada and in BC are, are similar ones. They are the ones that are not, you know, the personal services or accommodation and, and food and retail. They are the manufacturing, the utilities, the public administration, um, and agriculture sectors that generally um, will be more resilient. Uh, of course, we're seeing a lot um, of demand in terms of uh, health services and healthcare. So, so that sector will probably continue to mm -hmm. to be doing less worse, <laughs> less badly than than others. But, but in general, um, the goods producing sector has been more resilient so far. Of course, it depends you know, um, how long the pandemic lasts. Uh, eventually, if, if we cannot flatten the curve, you know, we would have to consider um, closing work camps, you know, on, on major construction projects. 
uh, and such, but we're not there yet. And so mm -hmm. far in BC, the numbers do appear to be going in a more positive direction. So perhaps uh, this very deep recession and very deep um, job loss would be temporary and we can return to um, what used to be a fairly strong job market pretty mm -hmm. well. soon. Yeah, we hope we get there sooner than later. But, uh, yeah, in terms of predictions, I think all of those are off the table. Anything else that you want to add here, Glico, while I have you on the line? Uh, I mean, the other group that we haven't talked necessarily about is younger people. Uh, today's job numbers show that um, youth have lost a lot of jobs and it borne some of the brunt of the early layoff. There's a lot of concern about students graduating in this um situation of, of no jobs and a very weak labor market and again some concern that the federal and provincial benefits or income supports that exist right now don't cover students and young people as well um, so so that's another area where we should watch and make sure that we are protecting the younger people who are losing their jobs mm -hmm. and uh, are not able to find employment Mm -hmm, for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. Always appreciate chatting with you, Iglika, and uh, yeah, have yourself a wonderful rest of the day. Really, really thank you for your time. Thank you. That was senior economist and public interest researcher Iglika Ivanova with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and their BC office. Yeah.